KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah, and this is Ezra Beck, and today is Chavav, Chavav Sivan. Today's Shio is in Parshat Shavua, and the Shio is dedicated, as all the Shio this week were dedicated to the memory of Ruth Kalman. Zichra Livracha, Rachel Bat Chaim, from Toronto. Yotzeit is on Shabbat, Chavav Sivan. Dedicated by her family, the Gutenberg and Kelman families. Women who loved learning Torah and imparted their love to her children and grandchildren and everybody who knew her. Today's shiur in Parshat HaShavua will be given by Harav Shlomo Dov Rosen. And after, I'll be back with the uh, Medrash Yomit, the daily Medrash. In this week's parasha, Parashat Shlach, we read about the Miraglim, the terrible spying attempt to the land of Israel, which fell flat on their return in getting the Jewish people to lose faith in the power of God to bring them into the land. Immediately after the Jewish people turn into a terrifying mob and are about to stone those who speak positively about the land, HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals himself, his kavod, his honor to the whole Jewish people, and declares to Moshe Rabbeinu that he will now destroy the people and start a new people, a new Jewish people, from Moshe Rabbeinu himself. Moshe Rabbeinu, as an honest and good shepherd, defends the Jewish people, prays on their behalf, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu saves us. Although we are not allowed to enter the land, that is to say that immediate generation is left to die in the wilderness, their children will continue the Jewish people in the land of Israel. We would like in this shir to take a deep analytical approach to understanding what precisely happened in the tefillah, the speech and prayer of Moshe Rabbeinu to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what exactly God's response was to Moshe, and therefore how we are to understand the punishment that we received in having to have to die in the wilderness, how we are to understand that what Moshe Rabbeinu presumably prayed for, he did not receive in its entirety. Firstly, what we must notice is that Moshe Rabbeinu's speech includes two distinct parts, which are completely and very deeply disconnected. The first is a practical argument about how the power of God is to be seen in the world. In the 13th chapter, that is to say the beginning of God's argument to Moshe Rabbeinu from the start, Until when will they not believe in me? Etc. And Moshe Rabbeinu answers, calling out. Vayomer Moshe el Hashem, v'shamu mitzrayim ke'elita v'chochachai ta'am hazeh b'kilbo. The Egyptians will hear that you took them out. They'll hear what you did to them in the wilderness, that you did not let them survive and you did not bring them into the land. And they will say concerning or to the people who live in the land that it was because of your lack of power, of your lack of ability, mebilti yecholet Hashem, to bring them into the land and therefore they did not make the journey. 
after making this practical argument about how God's power should be seen in the world, Moshe Rabbeinu continues with an ultimate and final argument, which is perhaps a prayer. And now, the power of God should be greatened, or perhaps expressed, revealed, as you have said, saying. And he quotes God's attributes of mercy. Hashem, Erech Apayim, Varav Chesed, Nase Avon Vafasha, Venake, Loyenake, Poked Avon Avot Albanim, Al Shileshim, Val Ribeim. And then he argues, or calls out in prayer, Slach na la'avon ha'amazek godel chastecha. Please forgive the people in your great kindness. Chashen asata la'amazek in Tzayim v'adhina. And HaKadosh Baruch's immediate response is, Vayomer Hashem, the famous phrase, two words, Salachti kidvarecha. I forgive as you have said. Now, the phrase, as you have said, kidvarecha, would give the impression that exactly what Moshe Rabbein was asking for was actually granted. However, it is hard to get that impression and to hold it much longer because the immediate following pasuk reads, V'ulam chayani. However, in Shvua by God Himself, God proclaims, V'yimalech vod kol The honor of God in the third person, God proclaims, will fill the whole world. And this is an opening to the next sentence. All the people who saw my honor and my miracles, literally, my signs, they will not see the land. So did God forgive Moshe as he had asked? Well, the people survived, but those individuals did not get into the land, they actually died in the wilderness. Now if we analyze carefully, we notice that the two parts that we no- we mentioned were completely distinct in Moshe's prayer or speech, are mirrored, or seem to be mirrored, by two responses of God. The immediate response is, Salachti kidvarecha, I forgive as you have said. The more developed response is slightly withholding that forgiveness or the entirety of the forgiveness that we might have expected or hoped for. Now, let's take a deeper look, try to understand what exactly might be happening here. Firstly, we notice that the first pasuk after Salachti Kidvarecha, when God tells us that we will not actually live to get into that li- land, the, that immediate generation will not, it reads as a mirror or as an echo to one of the last sentences that Moshe Rabbeinu had spoken, and that is, In other words, if Moshe Rabbeinu spoke about the power of God should be expressed, HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds with The honor of God, third person, almost a response 
echoing Moshe Rabbeinu, but turning it over. The honor of God must fill the whole world. This is a very different type of response. It's not talking about power. It's talking about honor. It would seem to be a response echoing and an objective phrase demanding something from humanity or from the world itself because God continues to speak in the first person. All the people who see my, who saw my honor, those who saw my honor in Mitzrayim, in the Midbar, will not see the land. They saw my honor, they won't see the land. That is necessary for the honor of God. The word kavod repeats itself and seems to echo or to mirror Moshe Rabbeinu's speech about the power of God. In the third person, is mirrored or echoed in the inverse by Vimalei Kavod Hashem et Kola Aret, the demand that the honor of God shall fill the world. The idea that the honor of God is to some extent the reason for existence is an idea that we have from, for example, the angel saying Baruch Kavod Hashem Mim Komo from his place. For the angels, it's not necessarily the world, the Aretz. And the idea that's expressed in the Pasuk, often developed, that basically one reading of the Pasuk would be that everything which is created is created for the honor of God. Now, if we try to develop this idea of honor, replacing or mirroring the idea of kavod, we see that we can develop it quite a bit further. If we take a look, for example, at the whole speech of Moshe Rabbeinu, we find that the word koach is said twice, and the word kavod is not said once. And yet, in the response that God gives, the word kavod, honor, is repeated, but the word koach does not appear. This is made slightly more radical by the fact that the last verse before Perakyot Gimel, before God's original speech to Moshe Rabbeinu reads everyone threatened as a mob to stone the those of the Meraglim who stu- stood out for the honor of God the honor of HaKadosh Baruch Hu was seen in the Jewish people God expressed himself by bringing his honor However, we ought to understand that. An expression of honor. And yet, Moshe Rabbeinu does not speak about honor, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds repeating the word kavod. Moshe Rabbeinu speaks about koach. He says in his first sentence, Vayomer Moshe El Hashem, V'sham'u Mitzrayim, Ki ha'elita v'chochacha et ha'am hazem The Egyptians will hear that, or will know, that you took the Jewish people out of their midst in your power. He later says, they will then say it was out of the lack of ability, certainly to be understood as lack of power of God to save the Jewish people and bring them to the land, that they did not survive the journey. And yet he still repeats the word koach itself, 
And when he prays in his last part, which is a distinct part as we have mentioned, when he prays out to God asking for mercy, not a practical rational argument, but rather a prayer calling out to God, he opens with the words, Va'ata, and now, Yigdalna Koach Hashem. The power of God to have mercy should be expressed. Moshe Rabbeinu in two senses, both in his practical rational argument and in his tefillah, in his prayer, speaks about the word, about the concept through the word of Koach, the concept of power. Now the Mephoshim, generally speaking, understand the idea of koach, of in a tefillah, talking about mercy, in that the greatest power is to be able to stand up against those inclinations you might have not to have mercy. And generally speaking, for example, in human beings, it's a very powerful thing to be able to be merciful to those who did something against you. And therefore, in an anthropomorphic sense, you call out to God talking about his power to have mercy. Now, Kaddush Baruch Hu, as we have said, does not use the word koach. He speaks about kavod. And what is the difference, fundamentally, between koach and kavod? Certainly, for example, in the first half of Moshe Rabbeinu's argument, the argument about how God's name should be seen in the world. I think a fundamental distinction, which is clear to all of us, is that the idea of kavod does not necessitate a third-person spectator. For example, we may talk about a man of honor. Someone who keeps his word. This is not necessarily something which is appreciated by another person, or seen by another person, or known about. Somebody who is a man of honor will keep the will of a person after he is deceased. To be a man of honor means that you keep your word, and you stand by your principles. Honor can be an objective concept, which has nothing whatsoever to do with how you are seen in the world. Power is something else. An expression of power is something which has to be appreciated by others. And Moshe Rabbeinu talks about power in talking about how the Egyptians would see God. Perhaps God did not care too much about how the Egyptians would see him. Perhaps HaKadosh was talking about a more fundamental, objective, almost metaphysical concept of honor. That the world is created for God's honor. And if you stand up against that honor, if you see his honor, and then you rebel, you cannot see the honor of the land of Israel. Something has to happen to the person who rebels for the honor of God to be upheld. We notice, for example, in the tefillah, the Moshe Rabbeinu, calls out to God in quoting the Midot HaRachamim that he had heard from HaKadosh Baruch Hu after the Masa he does not quote all 13 principles or attributes of Rachamim, of mercy a few are missed out and one of them which is missed out is Emet, truth he does not want to talk about God's truth he wants to talk about God's Chesed Hashem he doesn't say because the concept of truth is a concept of honor. It's a dangerous concept for his purposes. 
He's talking only about mercy. Now the Christians often speak about God in their terms as being infinite and therefore having infinite mercy. They often level the argument against the Jewish conception of God and our understanding of the truth. That we don't have this idea of infinite mercy which works whatever. Now leaving aside the Christians' general idea of switching the Jewish people as not exactly working along those lines, we first notice that in this piece, HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds by saying, the issue isn't just Rav Chesed, the issue is Kavod. And while HaKadosh Baruch Hu will save the Jewish people because of his Chesed, you can't speak about God's infinite mercy in the sense that you can speak about his infinite power because it would go against the idea of Kvod Shamayim, which is the reason of the creation of the world, at least according to many understandings. The idea that God's honor has to fill the whole world and come to expression in humanity and in the way he deals with humanity. And if he completely forgives in an absurdly irrational, infinite manner, not, un- not appreciating, not taking into consideration what actually happened, this isn't infinite power of mercy. This is a lack of honor, as an objective concept of kavod. And therefore, while the Jewish people will survive, and those people will not die immediately, they cannot see the land because they have seen God's kavod and they have acted in an inappropriate manner. Tshuva can completely fix up and clean up your slate and your relationship with God, it cannot, ontologically, objectively speaking, completely change how things are seen in the world. And if a person has behaved in that manner, while he can fix his relationship with God, he cannot change what that means for the world if a major chilashem, a desecration of God's name, had happened. Now Moshe Rabbeinu argued from the point of talking about the problematic aspect of desecration of God's name. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds also from the same type of argument, but from a different direction. This isn't a question of the desecration of God's name in the sense of Koch. It's the problem of the desecration of God's name in the sense of Kavod. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't speak about Koch about power in how others might see him, in other words, human beings. Human beings don't have to exist as far as HaKadosh Baruch is concerned. But rather, as far as honor is concerned, something which has an objective, metaphysical meaning in itself, a sense of the honor of God in the world. Now if we now turn back to the first half, where Moshe Rabbeinu speaks to HaKadosh Baruch his speech where he asks, for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to forgive the Jewish people. We ask ourselves, if, if Moshe Rabbeinu made a mistake, was unaware of the issue, or perhaps Moshe Rabbeinu was perfectly aware of the issues, he didn't even expect to bring about complete forgiveness. That wasn't the attempt. But rather Moshe Rabbeinu was calling out for as much as he could get. He was asking that at least the Jewish people should survive. The Shabbat had spoken about destroying the Jewish people and starting in from Moshe Rabbeinu, and at least he wanted that much forgiveness. And the fact that the word emet doesn't appear in the attributes of mercy gives the impression, like 
the Ramban also suggests that maybe Moshe Rabbeinu was not going for the whole lot in the first place. Something else which would give that impression is that, for example, even in the Rambam we see that the idea of Chil Hashem actually has two aspects. In Hilchot Yisod Torah, the Rambam speaks in Perak Hay, the fifth chapter, about the idea of Chil Hashem in Kiddush Hashem, and generally speaking, this comes to expression in the idea, in the concept, that a person in all situations, even when being forced, when standing in public, must never ever turn against the faith, desecrate the name of God. The idea of Chil Hashem, of desecration of God's name, has a public aspect to it. And yet, in Halacha Yud, he says the following, Kol ha'over mida'ato b'lo ones, alachat mikol mitzvot ha'amorot b'torah, b'shat nefesh, lachis, הרי זה מחלל את השם. ולפיכך נאמר בשבועת שקר, וחיללת את שם אלוקיך, אני השם. He then continues to say, ואם עבר בעשרה מישראל, הרי זה חילל את השם ברבים. That is to say, there are two types of חילול השם, of desecration of God's name. One is objective. If a person, not because of an unpleasant yearning or appetite to do bad things, which in itself is terrible enough. But a person goes against the word of God because he wants to rebel. That is a desecration of God's name, objectively. The second is, if in public a person went against the religion, went against a halakha of a fundamental nature, he has done something to desecrate God's name in public. And there are a lot of halachot talking about what exactly would constitute such a avera in public. What types of things are forbidden? Or rather, what types of things would be so terrible that tshuva is almost impossible? Although it's possible, it's almost impossible, as the Rambam explains. And here, for example, in our parsha, we see that tshuva is possible but not necessarily 100% accepted. Moshe Rabbeinu presumably knew that there was an objective Chil Hashem, an objective desecration of God's name. Perhaps though, he didn't try to ask for everything. That's one possibility. I would like to suggest another possibility as well. Perhaps Moshe Rabbeinu did his best from his subjective consciousness of a human being to pray to plead for the Jewish people's cause. But Moshe Rabbeinu is still a human being, as the Rambam speaks, particularly in the Shemona Prokim, developed very much in the Moshe Nebuchim. The idea of Aspaklaria is the idea of a screen for the Rambam, as opposed to others like the Ramchal. The idea of a screen standing between the Novi and the source of his Nebuah, the source of his prophecy, and each Novi is a greater Novi because more screens come down and for Moshe Rabbeinu only one screen was left the fact that he was a human being and the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu was a human being meant that he could not rise above being a human being by definition and perhaps Moshe Rabbeinu spoke about Kavod about Koach because he was a human being 
Because as human beings we have the concept of power. And the name of God, the honor of God, expresses itself in the expression of power in the world. But as far as HaKadosh Baruch was concerned, perhaps Koch, power, was not the issue at all. It was an issue of honor. And therefore for the two times that Moshe Rabbeinu speaks about Koch, HaKadosh Baruch repetitively says, Kavod. That suggestion is suggesting that Moshe Rabbeinu was or was not aware of the weakness of his speech, the weakness of his tefillah. Perhaps the tefillah could not have been stronger. And there was a weakness perhaps then in both halves, that is to say both in the practical rational argument about how people would see HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and in the tefillah, when he says, Hashem, he should perhaps have said, I'd like to suggest an alternative possibility, and that is that perhaps the tefillah was completely in order. The tefillah was, In fact, if we think about it, human beings often forgive out of kavod. And yet, human beings consider their honor in public being a question of koach, of power. But when they forgive, they often forgive because of honor. Perhaps Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, Yikdalna koach Hashem, because God is God. He is not affected by desires, by weaknesses of character. Therefore, the power of forgiveness is completely expressed in God. Because nothing stands up against it. Yigdal na koach Hashem. In that sense, Hakadosh Baruch Hu says, "Salachti kidvarecha." Your tefillah is completely in order. Your arguments before were not, because they used the word kavod, a koach. You should have used the word kavod. Perhaps it wouldn't have helped to use the word kavod because the problem is a problem in itself. But still, the word kavod should have been used, not the word koch. Like, for example, kavod Hashem It was the honor of Hashem which was expressed before. And Moshe Rabbeinu should have spoken about the honor of God in the world, not the power of God in the world. Moshe Rabbeinu saw God's forgiveness as a question of power. He should have seen God's honor, an expression of honor in the world as a question of kavod. By this suggestion, we are basically saying that the first half of Moshe Rabbeinu's speech was actually not accepted, or rather did not deal with the issue in entirety. The problem was the honor of God objectively in the world. This has nothing whatsoever to how people see HaKadosh Baruch HaKadosh Baruch doesn't need anyone to survive. The problem is that the desecration of God's name is an objective principle in the world. God created the world for His honor. And this is something beyond our ability to understand. The Kavod Hashem as an objective concept in the world. We can't understand that. And Moshe Rabbeinu could not argue from that point as a human being. He could speak about Subjective honor. In other words, power. That people would say that can't do it. 
and therefore look at what they'll say about your power. HaKadosh Baruch responds, that is not the issue. You were correct to speak about my power in being able to forgive. But the issue is not power when we're speaking about Chil Hashem. The issue is Kavod. The issue isn't ontological or metaphysical, objective concept, something way above human ability to comprehend. It is something objectively about what exists in the world. The world can disappear. The honor of God must remain. Yimalei kavod Hashem et kol ha'aretz. That is something that Moshe Rabbeinu perhaps could not fully comprehend as a human being because of his last asbaklaria and the Rambam's understanding, the last screen, the last mechitza that withheld his comprehension of the divine. I would like to go over the few possibilities to understand this parasha. I think it's clear that there's a difference between Moshe Rabbeinu's speech and Akhlishbokh's response on the changing of the concepts of Koach for the concepts of Kavod. There seems to be some kind of mirror in the phrase Yimmalei Kavod Hashem et Kol Haaretz in relationship to the phrase Yigdalna Koach Hashem. The question we are left with is, was Moshe Rabbeinu aware of the weakness of his argument, the weakness of his tefillah? A. B. Perhaps he was aware, perhaps he was not aware, perhaps it only corresponded to the first half of what he said, or perhaps everything that Moshe Rabbeinu said was coloured by his being a human being. A human being understands all concepts as questions of power. The idea of kavod, of honor, is ultimately reduced to the question of power. But as far as God is concerned, in objective reality, the question is not power. The question is honor. As an objective concept, nothing whatsoever to do with the fact that human beings exist. And therefore, you can't speak of infinite mercy. You can talk about infinite acceptance of repentance to change the relationship with that human being and his past corresponding to his closeness with God. You cannot speak about God completely ignoring how people desecrate his name in the world. Because that is not just a question of mercy. That's a question of the fundamental metaphysical concept of the honor of God in the world. You have been listening to the Shiur in Parshat HaShavua for Parshat Shlach of Harav uh, Shlomo Dov Rosen. And for the Midrash Yomit, uh, the Midrash of the day. Towards the end of the Parsha, we have Parsha of Tzitzit. Pashat Tzitzit was given to the Jews after Pashat HaMaraglim. There's a Midrash, doesn't necessarily refer to the particular words of this Pasuk, and it expresses an idea which is about Tzitzit, but it's about everything else as well, but a very important idea. Vasu lahem Tzitzit, hadaw dikhtiv, or zarua la tzadik. 
השם חפץ למען צדקו יגדיר תורה וידיר. ציטוט לפני פסוקים, הפסוק עם תהילים, אור זרוע לצדיק ודשרי לב שמחה. הפסוק עם ישעיהו, השם חפץ למען צדקו יגדיר תורה וידיר. סכם פסוק סייס גאל גבס אללה מצוות, יגדיר תורה וידיר, גבס אללה מצוות. אור זרוע לצדיק, God planted, he, he seeded, he sowed the Torah and the mitzvot. In order to, to give Israel, to give the Jews a portion in Olam Haba, in the world to come. We'll see what, what it means by looking at the examples that the Midrash gives. There is nothing in this world where there is not some mitzvah concerned with it. Yetzalachosh, person goes out to plow his field. The example from the Gemara is, of course, relevant to their time, a typical day in a typical Jew's life. He goes out to plow. There's a mitzvah. Lo tachrosh he has to remember not to plow with mixed breeds, with a, a, an ox and a donkey. Lizroa, lo tizra kamacha. When he goes to seed, he has to remember not to do kilayim, not to do different uh, kinds of seeds together. When he comes to cut the wheat, ki there kinds of halachot, concerning shviit and, 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 and pe'ah, leaving parts for the, for the poor people. Lash, when he uh, kneads the dough that he's made. Reshit arisotechem chala, the mitzvah of chala. Shachat, when he slaughters an animal. Natan la kohen hazorov alachayim, the portions that have to be given to a kohen from the, uh, each individual animal that's been slaughtered. Kan sipor, if he's slaughtering a bird, then there's the mitzvah of shiloh haken, of sending away the mother before you take the children. Bechaya ubofot, shachat vabikasau ba'afar. Some animals you have to cover up the blood after you slaughter them. When you plant trees, mitzvah of When you bury somebody, the laws of mourning or the prohibitions about how to mourn. He shaves himself. There are laws connected to how one takes a haircut or how one shaves. When he builds a house, so he has to make a fence a parapet on the roof. And he has to write mezuzot. Nitkasa betalit. When he gets dressed in the morning. Basulahem tzitzit. You have to have tzitzit on your clothing. That clothing which is obligated to have tzitzit. But that was a standard piece of clothing for Chazal. You put on a regular cloak. Then you have tzitzit on that clothing. In other words, what does it mean that that God seeded the Torah so that the Jews would have a portion to the world to come. The idea of seeding means that there are many mitzvot in the Torah. You read them, you wonder. But they're all planted and they'll, come, they'll begin to grow later on. The Torah is given at Hasinai. The Jews at Hasinai didn't plant and they didn't, they didn't sow and they didn't perhaps do many, many other things. They didn't build houses. But it's all seeds being planted in your life. And one day, you're going to go do something. Everything you do, the mitzvah is waiting for you there. So that's the idea of all zarua latzadik. The entire Torah, Tariyag Mitzvot, is seeded away in the ground in order that when we begin to live, when we begin to do things, 
then the mitzvah becomes relevant because everything you do has a mitzvah uh, ha- a character or the mitzvah affects the character of everything we do and that is the way in which this world our actions in this world become our nachala our portion in the next world and that's it for today you heard today Parshat HaShavua Shia for Parshat Shalach from Harav Shlomo Dov Rozein Ayin followed with the Medrash of the day also taken from Parshat Shalach Medrash Rabbah from the end of Parshat Shalach we'll be back tomorrow with the Erev Shabbat program for Parshat Shalach and until then this is Ezra Beck wishing you call to Bibukat HaTorah Mitzion and we'll be back tomorrow to learn more Torah in KMTT Ki Mitzion Tetzei Torah Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim